Hello. I don't suppose for a moment that Stourbridge is the crime centre of the southern black country. Indeed, my instincts would uh, convince me precisely the opposite. But no doubt it has spawned its fair share of villains over the years, and equally, its fair share of fine detectives to track them down. So, to use the legal terminology, there would seem to be no prima facie justification in adding to the factual by accentuating the illusory. Yet Stourbridge can lay fair claim to its fair share of high-profile fictional crime solvers. Again, to use the jargon, raise ipsa locator. Or, if your school day's Latin is as rusty as mine, the facts speak for themselves. Just check your local library or trawl the internet for names. Thus, armed with a selection from which to choose, I'm looking here at just two of them. And I find that the myriad twists and turns of connections is, per se, there, I've done it again. Worthy of a category all of its own. William Gillette, Basil Rathbone, Peter Cushing, Douglas Wilmer and Robert Downey Jr. are just a few of the names who have portrayed Sherlock Holmes on stage, screen and television over the past 100 years or so. But until the more recent interpretation of Benedict Cumberbatch that gloriously, if somewhat eccentrically, brought the world's greatest consulting detective bang into the 21st century, it was the 1980s portrayal by the late Jeremy Britt that set something of a benchmark in capturing the very quintessence of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's creation. Or should I more accurately say nemesis, for that is what Holmes eventually became to Conan Doyle, a writer whose eloquent skills ranged from tales of ancient times to the adventures of the dashing Hussar officer Brigadier Gerard, yet who could not, by public demand, shake off the shackles imposed upon him by Holmes even despite his apparent demise alongside Moriarty at the Reichenbach Falls. He just had to be resurrected. As I look out from the barn across the sylvan green fields nestling in the foot of the Black Mountains, and if one can't find inspiration here, then it really is time to give up, I'm minded of an observation by Holmes, which I quote, It is my belief, Watson, founded upon my experience, that the lowest and vilest alleys in London do not present a more dreadful record of sin than does the smiling and beautiful countryside. Hmm, purple stuff. I just happen to know that's from the adventure of the Copper Beaches, and so I suppose that I must declare an interest here in so much that I've been a Sherlock Holmes devotee for most of my adult life and a member of the eponymous society for about the same length of time. But, enthusiast as I am in what we call playing the game, I appreciate that for the benefit of those who do not quite share my enthusiasm to the same extent, it may be helpful to explain that, in the Jeremy Brett series at least, there was not one, but two Dr. Watsons. The Copper Beaches and others in the early series featured a youthful David Burke. But in the later series, when time had inevitably marched on, and it was necessary for a more mature-looking Watson to be seen at Holmes' side, he was played by Edward Hardwick, who was recommended by Burke specifically for the role, and he's the man at the nub of our story. Edward Cedric Hardwick, 7th of August 1932 to 16th of May 2011, was born in London. But if the family name is already beginning to ring mental bells, his father was Sir Cedric Webster Hardwick, an English stage and film actor whose career spanned over 50 years. Ah! Now those mental bells are really clanging. Hardwick Way Stourbridge, the Cedric Hardwick Memorial at Lycross, 
Yes, Cedric Webster Hardwick is one of our most famous sons. He is, as they say in these parts, one of we. And I would suggest uh, that his own son, fueled by black country genes, didn't fare so bad either. To add to the mix, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle himself actually lived for several years just a few miles up the road in Aston Road, North Birmingham. There's a blue plaque there. But now in slightly differing vein, and at some distance along the detective genre spectrum, let us divert our gaze several thousand miles to the west, specifically America, where for many years the whimsical murder she wrote was a hugely popular detective series featuring a somewhat unconventional, if not highly intelligent, female writer-turned-sleuth named Jessica Fletcher, as portrayed by one Angela Lansbury. The series has, of course, long migrated to British screens. Indeed, my own mother's a big fan, and I watch them myself occasionally. But if you're not into it, then think of um, a 20th century Miss Marple with New England accents and fancy automobiles. All save Miss Lansbury, who has an increasingly rare, distinguished English accent that denotes upper class, but with the crusts cut off. Lansbury was nominated for a total of 10 Golden Globes and 12 Emmy Awards for her work on Murder, She Wrote. She holds the record for the most Golden Globe nominations and wins for Best Actress in a Television Drama Series and the most Emmy nominations for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series with those nominations collectively actually netting her four Golden Globe Awards. And there were further awards as well. It really was popular, but no doubt you already get my drift. And all centred around one Ms Lansbury. But from whence did that crisp English accent originate? Well, to answer that, we migrate but a short distance from the birthplace of Cedric Hardwick to Cradley Heath, where names such as Lansbury Road and Lansbury Green give clues in our mystery. George Lansbury, 22nd of February 1859 to 7th of May 1940, was a British politician and social reformer who actually led the Labour Party for a while from 1932 to 1935. Apart from a brief period of ministerial office during the Labour government of 29-31, he spent his political life campaigning against established authority and vested interests, his main causes being the promotion of social justice, women's rights and world disarmament. He spent his final years travelling through the United States and Europe in the course of peace and disarmament. George had a son, Edgar, who in turn fathered Angela. The family evidently had connections in the black country. And just how do I know that? Well, a late friend of mine, a funeral director, and a cradleith mon born and bred to his bootstraps, oft used to reminisce wistfully about the times he chastised the playful baby Angela or changed an nappy, although I doubt Mazelle would be too happy to see that on her otherwise distinguished CV. Uh, so there you have it, the world's greatest fictional detective, a hugely popular television series across the other side of the world, famous thuspians and memorable characters, all linked by the commonality of theme that is our local area. And, to top it all, a colleague of mine working on this very broadcast, herself a keen historian and uh, genealogist, is investigating possible links with her forebears, who may have shared a surgery with Conan Doyle, himself of course a trained doctor. Now, it might be an amusing exercise, might it not, to collate all of these facts, take them to a local bookmaker, and get the odds of them all coming together in this intriguing manner, and all on our patch. 
it is quite amazing what can be discovered simply by scratching a little beneath the surface. And you don't have to be a detective, fictional or otherwise, to do it. Enjoy your black country and do join me again soon for more Tales from the Barn.